0: Welcome to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show podcast from Real Country 92.1 Hank FM, brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito, recorded live every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers in Alito. And now, with Alito Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones, the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist.
1: The kickoff by the Cougars, it is going to be bouncing around the 15-yard line, picked up at the... Avon Lawrence out of the 20. Room to run, 30, 35, 40. Sheds a tackler at midfield. Down the sideline he goes and he will score. No flags on the field. And Aven Lawrence picks it up and returns it 85 yards and the Bearcats within an eyelash take the lead back at 12 to seven. And that was the first of consecutive scoring plays for the Bearcats in which they scored from 85 yards out. That kickoff return from Avon Lawrence gave the Bearcats the lead at the Colony by a score of 12-7. to And then on their next offensive possession, it was an 85-yard touchdown pass from Haas Haney to Trace Clarkson, and they were never headed after that. Hi, everybody. Kevin Longquist join here at Jake's on 1187. Happy to have you with us again with head coach Robbie Jones. Robbie, nice to have you with us All again. Right, nice to be here. All right. So the... We want to let you know here as we're now into our sixth episode of this Coaches Show podcast on 92.1 Hank FM. For the first month of these shows, we've had more than 1,500 views, about 300 to 400 downloads on this. So we really appreciate the support that we've had for everybody coming out for this new adventure for this. And so it's been an absolute joy to do this. I think everyone from Alito's had a great time getting involved with this. H5 Sports Barn has been a great participant in this as well. Jake's... uh, hamburgers They've done an outstanding job here hosting us, taking care of us. And, of course, this is our third consecutive week to be out on the patio. And with the weather cooling down, kind of a nice idea to have it out here now.
2: Yeah, it's, it feels good out here right now. Uh, not as many flies either. <laughs> <laughs> always
1: makes a big difference. Uh, in our second segment, we're going to be joined by what you might want to call the lone surviving defensive end, Cooper Cohan, and then offensive lineman Carter Campbell. The Bearcats coming off their 60-40 to 40 win over the Colony this past Friday, and they will be taking on South Hills out of the Fort Worth ISD this coming Thursday night over at Clark Stadium. 6.30 is the pregame show on 92.1 Hank FM. The game will start at 7 o'clock, and with the win... Uh, on Thursday, if everything goes the way we think it will, uh, the Bearcats will clinch a playoff spot, and that will be consecutive playoff berth number twenty-eight. And I think, Coach, you know, when we talk about a program that has won the a state record eleven state titles, there's something to be said, though, to on the fr- on the verge of clinching a playoff berth for the twenty-eighth consecutive year. That's not that's really hard to do.
2: Yeah, that shows the consistency of the program. You know, something that Coach McKinnon, you know, established back in '96, I believe, was the first year. They made the playoffs when he uh, got here. Uh, it took him a couple of years, but like I said in an earlier uh, podcast, you know, it showed the commitment that the community had to him, you know, and the program to allow him to get it going. And once he did get it going, you know, we've uh, we've established it and we've kept it uh, running the all 28 years.
1: All right, so let's just talk a little bit about this game against the Cougars on, on Friday night. It was kind of an awkward start. I mean, you guys scored on the opening possession, which, by the way, was the fifth time in your first six games where you guys have scored on the opening possession. Um, try for two didn't work. Uh, the to- the uh, direct snap to-, to Hawk Daniels. But then, uh, then you had the snafu on the uh, punt uh, where it was a little bit high where... Uh, Link couldn't handle it very well, and then they wound up and scored. But the way that this team responded immediately on the ensuing kickoff, on the Lawrence 85-yard return, maybe it was good to have a little adversity because it had been so, if you will, for lack of a better word, easy for this t- team the last couple of weeks.
2: Right, yeah, we, we didn't score on that one drive because we had two back-to-back holding penalties that put us in a, a bad situation. You know, you don't like to have those penalties. Uh, it put us in a bad spot where we had to punt. We got the the high snap. Luckily, uh, Pierce was able to get his hand on it and knock the ball down. But then, you know, he was in a bad spot and gave them really good field position. And then, of course, when Avon got that kickoff, you know, he has the speed. The reason why he is back there is because he has that speed. You know, he's one of the fastest guys we have on both the relays that went to the state track meet last year. And he's going to be able to, you know, make those plays if he gets a crease.
1: I'm going to – divert here a little bit and talk about Avon a little bit more because you know he runs second on your death chart in your corners but he's such a valued member to this team because of what he can do on the return game and of course if you have if he's going to have to pinch it for either Dayton Allen on one side or Chris Johnson on the other not much of a drop off there his athleticism really shows up
2: right you know and we can also use him we have a dime package where he comes in uh, to give us a, an extra defensive back so you know he's he's a great asset to the team a lot of years he would be starting at cornerback for us but he just was unlucky to have in his class you know two other guys.
1: <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the way this team again got back uh, took the lead again on the uh, on his kickoff return. But I kind of thought that maybe the play that swung it for you guys was when they were trying to respond you all get the stop, and the Ben McElroy snap, first, uh, sack rather, and it was, you know, obviously it was good to have him back, right. but that sack there I think just kind of set the tone because, you know, they were they were fourth and forever, and all they could do was see a little screen, and they got about 10 yards, and then you guys take over at your 15. I want to – did you kind of get the sense of that sack really kind of setting the tone for the rest of the game, or what was your sense of that? It,
2: it did. We didn't realize it at the time, but, you know, from that point on, the, the defense pretty much dominated them uh, except for – the first drive they had after uh, halftime, when they came out in a little bit different look than what we had seen. By the time, you know, by the end of the drive, we had gotten adjusted to it and, and shut them down. But, but yeah, you know, it, it kind of, you know, settled everybody down defensively. Uh, the defense did you know what they normally do the rest of the game, and then our offense just continued to click.
1: Yeah, and on that possession that we talked about, the 85-yard touchdown pass from Hosta, to Clarkson, and you can really start to see the chemistry between those two almost kind of like they don't even have to say anything to, the, to each other. It's kind of like you look at each other and he knows exactly where the other one wants to go. And I want to ask you about, you know, the, the whole situation there where that chemistry that develops it, what does a coach see in terms of a quarterback, wide receiver, you know, the connection, it, that sort of thing, that, where you can see where it's starting to really gel?
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you can see that those guys have a lot of trust in one another. You know, that, that comes from – Working together all summer, they were together a lot this summer, uh, all spring, and then that continued on into you know fall camp, and, and now you see you know there's a little bit of consistency. And and Trace is one of our receivers that hasn't missed. You know we've had some guys that have that have had some injuries, missed some practices, missed some games. Trace hasn't done that, so he's kind of become you know Hoss's go-to guy.
1: And it seems like to me based on the way he's running not only is he running confident because of obviously suffering the acl injury last year but the way that he's just performing that it doesn't even think about it that it's those days are behind him.
2: Right, yeah, those days are behind him. And, and when you're an athlete, you can't be thinking about injuries or anything or the possibility of injuries. And and he's just wanting to get out there and showcase his ability, which he's been able to do, and go and help the team in any way he can.
1: I was going to ask you a little bit about with Trace in terms of recruiting because obviously this program will always speak for itself. It'll sell itself just because it'll draw schools to at every level to come watch. What has this start for Trace meant for at least schools? taking a look at him yeah
2: it's going to help him down the road you know it hasn't happened for him yet but a lot of schools were coming through you know we had over 85 different colleges come through in the spring and some of them sent multiple coaches so we had over 100 college coaches that saw our kids in the spring there were a lot of them that trace caught their eye in spring football but he didn't have any junior video so they said he was going to be a a mid-season evaluation so he's starting to get evaluated by some of those schools i've actually talked to uh several of them uh in the last week where they're you know they're getting their receiver coaches to to look at his video and you know eventually he's going to have something happen
1: do you think with his situation because there are two signing periods there's the one in mid-december and then there's of course the first uh, Wednesday in February. Does it look like Trace would be trending in the February time frame the way it's going?
2: I'm gonna say so, you know, and, and that happened like I said Jalen Pope as well last right, year. Right. You know, Jalen Pope was all you know committed to go to Air Force, then had the big state championship game and kind of got on the radar of people like Oklahoma State and ended up signing with Oklahoma State.
1: Now we couldn't let last week's or this past Friday's uh, game against the colony go. Of course if, for many of you who might have heard the broadcast over there at uh, Tommy Briggs Stadium, you saw the issues with the clock where it never worked throughout the course of the ball game or anything of that nature. And so as a coach, I'm not asking you for an explanation from the Colony about you know why it wasn't working, but even though it was working for halftime, but as a coaching staff, when you are dealing with that kind of issue there, you have coaches that'll keep the time on the field. If, uh, theirs is not official, but how do you guys kind of try to manage the game when you're kind of having to also check with what the officials are keeping as yeah, well. Yeah,
2: I mean, we were just constantly checking with the officials on, on the time. And, it, you know, it came into play there at the end of the second quarter because we, we knew we were getting the ball, you know, with, you know, a little less than two minutes. Uh, and we had coaches on the sideline that were keeping it. You know, they had their phones and they had their timer set with, you know, they told us a minute three. They put a minute three. And then they were, you know, keeping up with the officials with what they were doing as far as stopping the clock, starting the clock. And we had three coaches on the sideline. Each of them had about 25 seconds left on their clock. And all of a sudden uh, the officials were telling us we were out of time. So it's a difficult situation for us. Oh,
1: if you had the time there, let's just kind of play this out hypothetically. If you had the time there, because it was around their 27, 28 yard line after that, that pass play to Trace Clarkson. What were you all wanting to do? Take a couple of shots at the end zone there, or what did you all want to do?
2: Yeah, we were going to try to get a little bit closer uh, to make a, a more manageable field goal, and then take a couple of shots at the end zone. Use our timeouts wisely, and you know, possibly kick a, a last-second field goal there at the half. And I think you had two timeouts to work. Yeah, with I believe them. we had two left, you know, and we we thought we had about twenty-five seconds, <laughs> which never turned out to be the case
1: anyway. Right. And so, but uh, and as it turned out, it was a little bit immaterial as you guys. Pretty much you know, took over and, and ran away from it in the second half. Though. Yeah, it
2: was still disappointing, though, sure. because, you know, you wanted to see us get those points there at the end. You know, and, and it was it was frustrating, disappointing, you know, all those things.
1: Okay, for you all, obviously, Ray Guillory, another strong performance, 10 carries, 78 yards, scored the first touchdown of the evening for you all, had a little bit of an ankle issue that popped up in the second quarter. And, you know, you guys, you have a couple of guys that are banged up already, and so their status for this, and again, it's a short week this week against South Hills. But how do you evaluate him and other guys and their potential to either play, not play against the Scorpions over right. at Clark Stadium?
2: You know, we're, we're leaving that up to our trainer, uh, Coach Little. He's, he's working with those guys uh, today. Uh, if they can't get out and practice in the next couple of days, they're not going to play. But, you know, it, it, it's going to be a game-time decision with some of them. Some of them, it might be better for them to sit and rest a week because some of those injuries require rest to uh, get them healed up. And if they're not 100% here in a couple of weeks, we're going to be in trouble.
1: So let's talk a little bit about as far as like preparation in a short week because everyone does things routine. Coaches are creatures of habit that Monday you do this, then Tuesday you do this, then Wednesday you do this. But with a game on Thursday, do, how much do you have to compress two days into one day or how do you all adjust that?
2: We, we basically lose a day. You know, we're, we're going to prepare – Monday and Tuesday just like we normally do and then on Wednesday if we feel good about the installation of the game plan we'll go with what we refer to as a regular Thursday schedule which is a walkthrough and that's the plan right now is on Wednesday we'll do a walkthrough like we normally do on Thursday but if we don't feel good about practice tomorrow Wednesday might be a full practice.
1: Like pads in the whole pads the whole, in the whole deal. A whole bit. Okay. Uh, now, I want to go back to your defense here because it's obviously been – finally, we, we saw the secondary come up with that interception with Chris Johnson's diving grab there. But I think the most of the other important thing was the turnover on downs. We talked about the Ben McElroy uh, sack, which led to a turnover on downs. But you all got two others, too. Three turnover on downs. And it's one thing – and it is like a turnover because it just swings the momentum. And you got, And then you all obviously made that big push there at the end because they were trying to – on a fourth and short, and you guys stood them up and, right. and stopped him there. So what did that tell you about your defensive front?
2: Oh, it tells us we got some power up there. We got some guys up there that went up and stuffed them on a quarterback sneak, which doesn't always happen. Normally, if you see somebody go on a quarterback sneak, it's almost an automatic. But we got a, a really good push up front with our defensive line. Our uh, linebackers came in, finished it off, and you know, and then that just you know builds the excitement that the kids have. You know, they get pumped up about making stops like that, and then that carries over into the next series. You know, of being excited.
1: And we should point out too that Carson Cox, the. Uh quarterback for the colony that's not an easy guy to stop he's six foot about 220 or something like that uh, 230 i believe okay so yeah. 230 but even so, so the fact that you've got to push and he's following his center and he's got all the momentum going and you've got to stop that too that's a double edged sword there. right
2: yeah and, and like i said we got some really good push i believe uh, the two two da- d tackles that we're in uh were maybe decker sanders and uh Talon Foreman, you know, two of our bigger D tackles, so they were able to get a little bit of push there, you know, to get that momentum stopped.
1: No Cooper Cyphers, no Waldron Byers against the Colony, and really uh, we're we're making sure that uh, cooper cohen's uh, okay right now as we 're looking right across at him is, because he 's your only one left but when you have to navigate a game like that when basically you've you lost three you've you've lost you 've lost three defensive ends uh, so far this year, and of course uh you know Carson Dempsey's still out he's been out since the second week of the season. How does that change I know this is more Brad McCone's deal but but for your staff, how do you have to adjust to that and just make and having guys play out of
2: position in some respects? yeah I mean it was, it was the easiest thing for us to do was take one of our defensive tackles and move him out to defensive end because a lot of what those guys do is real similar as far as technique is concerned. So we took uh, Jacob McIntyre, moved him out uh, to defensive end, uh, and and really you know we we've been rotating four to five guys at you know defensive tackle and defensive end. We weren't allowed to do that. You know we only had I believe it was four d tackles and only three d ends that we were rotating you know while the ones were going so it it made it to where those guys were getting a little tired you know when we got up at half you know i said hey look we got to start rotating some of those other guys in there that way these guys don't get tired and get injured. So we started making a few more rotations. If the
1: situation is the same thing this coming Thursday against South Hills, could we see the same formation that we saw against the colony where McIntyre is on one defensive end spot?
2: Yes, I mean he's still there. You know, so we're we're staying with that same, you know, same lineup that we had last week because we still have those guys that are not available this week. So, you know, we didn't change that a whole lot. Now we did bring up uh, some younger guys from the JV that are going to be involved in it as well.
1: All right. Looking ahead to South Hills, you know, obviously it's been a really difficult uh, start, uh, season for them. 0-6, uh, they've had a lot of issues. They haven't scored in the last two and a half quarters. And so when you see a team like this that's really fighting it like they have been, Robbie, and of course you guys were play, have played them a couple of times and these scores have been out of hand with them. But what is the thing that you want to stress with your team in preparation for this
2: yeah, we tell them, you know, each week you got to respect your opponent. You know, their football team, they're working out just like we are uh, each and every week. Uh, they might not have, you know, the the skill and the talent that we have, but we got to focus in on us. We need to make sure that, that we're not taking a week off to where we're not improving each week. And that's one of the things that we focus on, you know, every year is – We want to be better this week than we were last week. And so that's one of the things we want to see this week is we want to see some improvement. We want to see that our kids, you know, have prepared themselves for this game and they go in and they execute the game plan.
1: You bring up a very good point. So with this team from the opener against Parish Episcopal to word is now through the colony. Where do you think this team is right now in terms of improvement and the way it's executing?
2: Oh, yeah, I think we've improved quite a bit, you know, uh, at all phases, you know, offense, defense, special teams. You know, we're we're a better football team right now than we were in that game. And and we had a pretty good football game against uh, Parish Episcopal. Uh, Defensively, we're we're a lot better. You know, we had some young guys playing uh, up front in that, you know, Parish Episcopal game. Now those guys are a little more experienced and uh, we're a lot better football team.
1: All right, coach, we'll look forward to it this coming Thursday evening over at Clark Stadium in South Fort Worth as the Bearcats, the number one team in the state in Class 5A Division One, taking on the South Hill Scorpions. Again, if the Bearcats win this game, they will clinch a playoff spot for the 28th consecutive year. Pre-game show is at 6.30. The kickoff is at 7 on 92.1 Hank FM. Coach, will look forward to it. Right, thank you. All right, on the other side of this break, in segment two, we're going to be joined by Cooper Cohen, the defensive end as well. <laughs> Excuse me, as well as Carter Campbell, the one of the offensive linemen. Stick around. The second segment of the Alito Coaches Podcast is coming up. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. Timms is the H-back. Haney to throw. Third down. Fires it down the far side of the field. He's got Clarkson wide open midfield. 40, 30, 20, 10. Touchdown, Alito Bearcats. 85 yards. Hoss Haney to Trace Clarkson. And the Bearcats make it a two score game at 18 to 7. As we mentioned, back to back 85 yard scoring plays for the Bearcats. And welcome back to the Alito Coaches Show podcast. I uh, want to remind you that H5 Sports Barn and iPhysio and Performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn. Proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. Now, time to uh, talk a little bit about the Alito alums as they are in their thing with the college level as well as the professional level. Let's start with the pros, where left handed pitcher Cody Bradford uh, is on the Rangers, uh, and the Rangers are going to the postseason. They will start the wild card round on Tuesday in Tampa against the Rays. Now, one thing for Cody is that can he make the roster, which will be announced early on Tuesday morning. That'll be something to to find out once that. Well, the, the teams have to announce their rosters about four or five hours before the start. The Rangers will open up that series against Tampa at two o'clock at, uh, Central Time on Tuesday, and then that's a best of three series for Bradford this year. Uh, he finished the regular season at four and three with a record of 5.40. He made eight starts in 20. Total appearances. Now, since this is Texas OU week, we do have representation from Alito on each team, and that's B.J. Allen, the defensive back for number three Texas, and then tight end uh, Jason Llewellyn for Oklahoma. Uh, B.J. has not appeared in a game yet this year for the Longhorns. Uh, Jason Llewellyn has appeared in three games for the Sooners, and so that'll be an 11 o'clock kickoff at the Cotton Bowl between Texas and Oklahoma, which would pretty much be for the uh, Big 12 championship kind of a de facto a championship the way that's going at this point but you know there we'll have to wait and see how that's going there as the long way to go in this season as tcu might have something to say about that texas tech may have something to say about that but the winner would be in the driver's seat as far as the conference is concerned of course there's always the big 12 championship game that first saturday in december okay folks second segment of our podcast we're being joined now to my immediate left is defensive end senior cooper cohen and to my far left is senior right guard carter campbell let's hear it for these two young men all right cooper let's start with you uh, back and forth with the defensive ends i kind of kidded around with coach jones saying that you're the uh, lone surviving defensive end out of this yes. group and so let's just talk about when you because defensive ends are kind of like I'll see you at the quarterback on the on the count of three or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you've had to deal with this, when you've you know you lost Carson Dempsey, then you didn't, then you lost Cooper uh, Cyphers, Cooper and then you didn't have obviously Waldron Byers. When you're having to make that adjustment, uh, the way that has been going with McIntyre,
3: who's played opposite you against the Colony, what's the communication like with something like that? It's been tough without those guys, but J Mac, he's really stepped up and learned the play as well. We still got to teach him. You know, sometimes he'll not know the call we'll have to communicate before the snap but he's done really well let's talk about your
1: maturation into a defensive end i mean you obviously had a lot of playing
3: time last year but what do you think is the difference in your game this year from where you were last year well i switched positions so it's a pretty big difference but i like getting my hand in the dirt it's a lot of fun i like being physical each play basically like a wrestling match with the, the line <laughs> every play i like I, it i know you lead the team
1: or the defense in hurries of about six or seven so far this year and when coaches talk about sacks, obviously, are important because they can you know, can push a team back. And you guys got a couple on Friday against the Colony. But hurries are, some, are just a, nearly as effective because yes. they can cause a quarterback to get rid of the ball earlier than he wants. What are the, some of the things that you try to do?
3: Uh, other words, uh, you know, beyond just getting your hands up there to kind of distract a quarterback? I mean, I get excited on third down, get a widen out, pin my ears back at the quarterback, use my hands, just try to get in his face, mess him up, help the DBs out.
1: All right, and Carter, for you, you're one of the four seniors on this offensive line. The chemistry with you all, that's, you know, you have Josh McCarley to your right at right tackle, and then, of course, you got Alex Arana to your left at center, and, of course, the Williams brothers on the left side. Just talk about the chemistry that the five of you have developed during the course of this, really going back to spring ball to where you are now, and where do you think that is?
4: Well, I think it's – our chemistry has kind of been there – really even like before spring bowl where obviously there's a four like the four seniors starting in the playoffs ever since i believe it was uh midlothian or Centen. um but even like with the addition of peyton it was we've known peyton pretty much uh the whole time the williams have been in alito uh like i've personally known him since i was in sixth grade uh so like him coming in and kind of like with the new addition with the new year uh it hasn't Changed too much in the chemistry. We just kind of picked up right where we left off. And obviously, having all of off season, spring ball in the summer
1: to kind of help and like build on
4: that chemistry, it's been like it's been positive.
1: So, let's talk a little bit about. And I'm going to ask you both this because the, the fact of the matter is that you know, everyone talks about the how you know the, the Alito off season program as one of it is kind of an island unto itself. It's really strenuous, it demands quite a bit of you guys. Um, and I want to ask because, for linemen, because how much is a change, or how much does it demand of you to so that you can handle what everyone hopes will be a 16 game season? What's what kind of challenges
3: did you have just going through an off season with this? The off season is really important, and I can notice it in the game. At the end of the game, you know the other team they can't, they don't have the motor we have because we've been through the off season, we've worked, and we're ready for that. What about for you, Carter?
4: Yeah, like I'd say, especially the weight room for offensive linemen. It's like every single year in high school, I've like made leaps and bounds in the weight room, and it's really like translate to the field. Whether it's like we're like guys that um, I just remember like my freshman year, I was like struggling to block them, but then like as I moved on, like gained weight, put on good muscle, it becomes so much easier, and it really translates to the field. And I feel like you really notice it against uh, teams who maybe are really talented. But they don't have the greatest off-season programs like uh, like us like slowly like bridging the gap to them and like eventually surpassing them.
1: Well, without revealing any secrets, what do you
3: think is the key that makes this off-season program kind of so successful? we will start with you, Cooper. Just being consistent. We're there, working hard every day. The mat drills, just always competing. And then for you, Carter.
4: Yeah, like I'd say the consistency, like having workouts five days a week, like making sure we're getting better every day, is I think the most important thing.
1: Okay, so let's just talk a little bit about the offensive and defensive lines here because this has been the hallmark of this pro- program over the years. It's really kind of where this whole thing got started, where these, these deep playoff runs really started to, you know, begin, really. And, you know, there was the 1998 state championship, but then, you know, I started covering Alito back in 2006, so long before you guys even showed up. And so when you think about that and just the grind and what it's asking of you guys on a weekend and week out basis – What's it been like to be a part of that legacy where there have been so many good offensive and defensive linemen come before you and kind of like the standard that you have to live up to? I'll start with you, Carter.
4: Yeah, like, I'd say that legacy, it's kind of awesome to see. Just, like, thinking back, where like, uh, I remember specifically Lovett Cooper. Uh, we were in the film room. And we were watching when we played him. Um, I, re- I don't remember specifically, but maybe it was, like, 2018, 2019. And looking back and, like, looking at those offensive linemen and, like, seeing, like, where they, like, came or like where they ended up like at like at the second level and I think that was really cool to see and it's almost like you want to be like to carry on the legacy like you don't want to be where it ends and you want to go like onto the second level and like continue the legacy and
1: and then Cooper for you because on the defensive side I mean you played alongside one of the better ones in Ansel Dimbu last year but just and you know he he kind of sets a sets a tone sets a tone rather And so what's that like? And then just trying to carry on that legacy because of what you've seen before you.
3: Oh, yeah. I love following his footsteps because he was a tough guy. I like to try to be like that, too. And just the D-line, just nasty. I like being a part of it. Let's
1: talk a little bit about this team and where you guys think you're at. You're six games in. Again, uh, you all could clinch a playoff spot should you win on Thursday against South Hills. But just talk about where you think you all are from the opener against Parish Episcopal to where you are now through the colony. Carter, I'll start with you.
4: Yeah, I'd say we've gotten so much better, um, especially, like, the whole O-line as a unit. Um, I think even in the playoffs, even though that we do have four returning starters, it was kind of we were still getting used to each other just because, like, all the injuries that popped up in the playoffs. But, like, throughout this whole season, we've really been able to, like, hone ourselves in. Um, and just making sure, like, every week we're not really playing against the other team, but we're playing against ourselves to make sure we're getting better every week so eventually, so that we can go the distance and make
1: it 16 weeks. Now, for you, uh, Cooper, as we've talked about, you've had to kind of balance this a little bit with the defensive
3: ends on the other side, missing some time. But your, your assessment of just the defense itself? We've grown a lot. I mean, we're young. I'm the only senior that was starting, and it's my first year playing DN, but we've gotten better as the season's gone.
1: All right, so, guys, let's talk a little bit about what we'll – you know, you don't want to look ahead of a game like this because obviously South Hills has had, you know, its fair share of issues. It's no one's, no one can, no one's blind. We all see that they've had some issues. But what's it been important for you guys as you've been preparing for this game this week, and knowing that you've got Centennial next week, you've got Ryan the week after that, but you've got to stay focused on the task at hand. What's it? We'll start with you on that, Cooper.
3: Yeah, we just got to, you know, play our game. It doesn't matter who lines up across. Just do the details, is going to show up later, as Coach Jones always says. All right, and then for you, Carter?
4: Yeah, I'd say the most important thing we've been focusing on is making sure we're doing the little things right, uh, making sure, like, even though, like, some teams would just take this for granted, we're making sure we're getting, like, we're using this week as an opportunity to make sure we're getting better and, like, preparing ourselves for the sentence, the Denton Ryan's, anything that's coming down later down on the
1: road. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a little bit about working with this Alito offense because, and first of all, I'm going to get the offensive lineman's perspective about trying to protect it, especially with a quarterback who runs around like this guy does over here where you kind of have to watch him and then for you, uh, Cooper, where you've had to maybe go against this offense in the spring and then in fall camp and that sort of thing and just trying to deal with it. So let's start with you, uh, Carter, in terms of just protecting because it's so balanced. I mean, they're, they're within like 30 yards of each other in terms of just a total number of rushing yards, total number of passing yards. What's the key in making sure that you know your blocking assignments? Because a play that can change on a dime, even though it could be called to go one way. What's the key?
4: Uh, well, I'd say the most important thing is during practice. Coach Wheeler he does a really good job of making sure we know our assignments, and when we step out there on the field, is less of us worrying about who to block but more of, like, making sure we're, like, giving full effort and making sure we're blocking them as hard as we can. And then, like, obviously with all the RPOs and how things change on a dime, we're really just, like, focusing on the run first and just letting Haas, like, make his reads based off of, like, what the defense does, what we do and really just let, letting him do his
1: thing. All right, and I couldn't let you go because I I was talking to DJ about this last week, about the uh, 87-yard touchdown run that Haas had last year at Denton Ryan. He said he was trying to get him a tra- into a track meet with him, and that didn't work out so well. Yeah. What do you What do you recall about that play and just from your perspective on that?
4: Uh, I remember it, it was – I was on the backside of that play, I remember, or if I remember correctly. It, <clears throat> it was just like I had a pretty simple block. I just had to, like, cut off the D-tackle and make sure, like, he didn't – like, go flying down uh, flying down the line. And, like, I remember I did that, and I just kind of, like, looked like, look to my left, and, like, I just see Anthony Hill and Haas just, like, in a track meet, and it was, like, crazy just seeing, like, that athleticism, like, um, out of both of them.
1: And no chance you were joining that track meet. <laughs> no, I was not. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. I was taking my time
4: getting down there. <laughs>
1: okay. And then for you, Cooper, let's talk a little about just going against this offense and facing a, a dual-threat quarterback like Haas. In terms of just the talent level, how much has that helped you all just prepare? Because you faced some really good o- offensive teams in P- Episcopal as well as Denton Ryan. What did
3: that mean? What has that meant going against those guys in spring and then in fall camp? It helps a lot going against great competition every day, especially Ray. He's probably the best back we've faced. And luckily we don't have to deal with him running around because we can't touch the quarterback. But... <laughs> Yeah, it's real tough going against him. glad he's not running.
1: I understand. That makes two of us. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about college situation now here. Uh, Carter, you have a few uh, offers there, but let's talk about your situation in terms of what you're looking at right now. Maybe you play, maybe you don't. Just kind of update folks on what you're looking at right now.
4: Yeah, so for me, um, like, my big thing is academics, so it's kind of like I want to go play college football, but, like, my main thing is academics and, like, trying to find a place where it makes sense where... I like uh, where my academics where it makes sense to go play football, but still getting like the best education I can, and almost like using football to get into schools maybe I couldn't get into on my own, and almost using it as a tool to, like help continue
1: my education. And you have like I think three Division three schools that are looking at you. Uh, yes, I think that's correct. Okay. All right, and then yeah. uh, and then for you, Cooper. I know you're you were. Telling me before we went on the air about you're kind of thinking about it, you're not sure, and maybe you'll walk on. Just kind of update folks of what you might be
3: looking at. Yeah, I'm looking at schools right now. I might try to walk on somewhere. I'm, I like OU, Arkansas, Ole Miss. They got good-looking chicks, so that <laughs> matters a lot. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's what I'm looking at. All right, well, that's always a good thing. And so, okay, so, so guys, let's
1: as we wrap this up, let's talk a little bit about this team because obviously the goal is to win a state championship. And it's it's a grind, and of course you went through this all. You went through this last year. Um, how do you appreciate a journey like this? I mean, you're six games into what you hope will be a ten more games that you'll play. But how do you appreciate something like this because of just how? difficult this is to do year after year. I'll start with you, Carter.
4: Yeah, I'd say um, like when you're in the moment, when you're in the season kind of like we are now, it's kind of a blur. It's like weeks rolling to the next one. And I remember last year after state championship game, it was like the next day. And I was just sitting back and realizing like, wow, like we did all this, like we beat some spectacular teams with spectacular players. And it's really then like once you're done with the season that like the I almost I'd say like not shock, but like admiration of like what you've actually accomplished. It kind of starts to set in like once you're out of the moment.
3: And then, and then for you, Cooper. Oh, I love it. I love the journey because last year I got hurt and I had to just sit back, and watch from sidelines. Now that I'm in it in the grind every single week, I love it. I can't wait to play 16 games.
1: Uh, the most stressful, I mean, I, I would think Midlothian was probably the most stressful game that you played in last year just because of how that came down to the last minute. But maybe you know something that I don't.
4: Yeah, I'd say the most, the two like by by and far the two most stressful games was either Midlothian and Longview as well. I'd maybe just say Longview because we had that two three hour rain delay and it was just kind of sitting in the locker room and the game was almost out of the offense's hands because I remember they had the ball um, and there was like maybe like fifteen seconds left on the clock and they were like on on the fifty. So it was just kind of like just sitting there like just the anxiety of like it's out of my hands, it's out of my control. And just having to like hope and pray like the defense does their job and like they can like secure the win for us. Did you watch or did you cover your ha- cover your eyes or how did you handle that last uh, few moments? <laughs> I don't even remember. I think I was in the moment, like just just like riding along with uh, the momentum we kind
1: of had. Yeah, one of the crazier finishes we've ever had with an Alito football game, where we get right down to the last minute and then we get delayed by rain for two hours or plus or whatever that was crazy yeah. situation all right so to my immediate left is senior defensive end cooper cohen to my far left is senior right guard carter campbell give it up for these two young men Want to remind you that H5 Sports Barn and Nive Physio and Performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game, like the Alito Bearcats, with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. Don't forget the Bearcats continue their season, game number seven, this coming Thursday night. Remember the day, Thursday night, seven o'clock kickoff at. Uh, Clark Stadium down in South Fort Worth against the South Hills Scorpions. You can hear it on 92.1 Hank FM with the pregame show at 6.30. And of course... Always check the 92.1 Hank FM website and uh, download the podcast. We've had about 1,500 views, as I mentioned, views not only between the podcast itself as well as the YouTube channel. So we really appreciate everybody being a part of this. Thanks for coming out here and joining us this week. Next week we'll be back on Monday following the Bearcats' conclusion of their game against South Hills. For everybody here at Jake's on 1187, I'm Kevin Lonquist. Good night.
0: Thanks for listening to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show podcast brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito with Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones and the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. You're also welcome to join us in person every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers, 601 FM 1187 in Alito. And then listen to every Alito Bearcats game home and away live on 92.1. 1 Hank FM on the free 92.1 Hank FM app or online at 921hankfm.com. The Alito Coaches Show podcast is a production of Real Country Hank FM.